The Baptist State Convention of North Carolina proudly presents the Revitalize NC podcast. It is our aim to help pastors and leaders renew a passion for the gospel and a vision for the future in order to make disciples who make disciples. All right, welcome everyone to the Revitalize NC podcast. I'm Terry Long your revitalization consultant here at the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina. We're excited that you're listening today. The purpose of this podcast is to tackle current issues in church revitalization with experts in the field. Our guests today include our revitalization ministry assistant, Mrs. Hannah Nelson. Say hi, Hannah. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And our special guest today is Dr. Tate Cockrell. Dr. Tate Cockrell is the Associate Professor of Counseling and the Director of Doctorate of Ministry Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome, Dr. Cockrell. Hey, Terry. Thanks for having me today. Awesome, man. Well, we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your vocation, your hobbies. But in the process of that, Dr. Cockrell, we'd like to know a little bit how you got involved in this whole pastoral renewal thing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my wife, Wendy, and I, we've been married for almost 28 years. We have three children. Our daughter is married and lives uh, right here in uh, Cary. And then we've got twin sons that are seniors at Wake Forest High uh, this year. I celebrated my 31st year in ministry in January of this year. Um, And, you know, I kind of got involved in pastoral renewal ministry pretty early on in my ministry, doing counseling with, it started out being a couple of pastors who had experienced either moral failure or burnout and they wanted somebody that they could relate to and talk to, and I was a counselor, but I'd also pastored and been in ministry for a couple of years, and and uh, so it made the connection there really good, and it, it really just kind of gave me a heart for pastors and the things that they were struggling with. So I kind of started offering counseling for free to pastors in the area. We were operating a counseling center out of the church that I was serving at the time, and you know, just over the 30-plus years of ministry, it's just, it's kind of grown. COVID, of course, super accelerated that opportunities to speak to state conventions and local associations and pastors as they've navigated the pandemic and everything just kind of microwaved all of that. I think in 2020, uh, I probably spoke to three or four state conventions and and probably 30 local associations, you know, probably four or 500 pastors that were struggling through the whole COVID, you know, pandemic thing. So that's kind of how I got started and that's kind of where it is now. Awesome. Dr. Cockrell, we know that pastoring is always difficult. Uh, COVID and the political season have just amplified this difficulty with stresses on decision-making, on the constant pivoting that you were just talking about. Where would you point a pastor scripturally during these tough times? You know, Terry, there's a, I think there's a lot of different places you could go. I tend to think in terms of categories of what pastors need most. And, and as I've kind of walked with pastors through the pandemic, I think there's three things that they need most, and there are some scriptures that go along with each one of those categories. First is, I think they need peace in the midst of the chaos. 2020 and the pandemic and the political season and all that has just been chaotic. So whether we take them to John 16, uh, John 14, Isaiah 26, I love Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I think pastors need to hear that. I think they need peace in the midst of the chaos. I think the second category of kind of passages or scriptures that we look to is they need wisdom in the face of tough decisions. Man, the thing that I hear from pastors all the time is there's no right answer, right? No matter what I do, if I do it this way, somebody's going to be mad. If I do it this way, I'm going to be somebody's going to be mad. Like, how do I make really, really tough decisions? 
So they need wisdom in the face of tough decisions. So whether we take them to the book of James chapter 1 or Isaiah chapter 58 or Proverbs chapter 3, all of those would be examples of, man, let's go to God's Word and let's ask God to give us the wisdom to make the right decisions because since nobody's going to be happy anyway, or the old saying, you can please some of the people all the time and all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time, let's do it God's way and not just try to rest on our own wisdom. And then I think the third category of scriptures would be they need assurance in the midst of uncertainty. One of the things that pastors are feeling a lot of is the fact that they feel responsible, like it's it's all on them. And so they feel really, really uncertain and insecure in their abilities and in in all the decisions they're making. And so one of the things I've really tried to to help pastors do is get their eyes off themselves and get it on God, you know, and say, look, in the midst of all these crazy times, there is a person you can trust. And you, you don't don't put your trust in yourself. Put your trust in the Lord. So, you know, go to Jeremiah 32. Go to very great verse in in Job 42. Job says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Man, what a great, what a great verse to get pastors to be able to say, look, the Lord's sovereign. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to feel like all the pressure's on you. Turn to the Lord. Allow His sovereignty to rule and reign in your life. And so whether we go to any one of those categories, and of course, there's a hundred other verses that we could take them to. But the big thing, I think, is just getting them to go back to the Scriptures in the midst of all of this. Some of them have gotten so busy that the Scriptures have been really kind of set aside, but at least devotionally and personally, because they're so busy with everything that they have going on in their life. Well, and hit a little more on that. The personal side of things and the personal renewal, um, you know, when you're constantly pivoting as a pastor, you you feel like you're managing the church many times, but now you're managing and you're pivoting and, you know, the stress and, and, and you know, they're dealing with different family members that may be sick with COVID or whatever. Uh, What's some personal renewal things that you have suggested in this past year? Yeah, that, that, you know, that's great. It's a great question. And I think one of the things is that we, we help pastors see, you know, look, in the midst of everything that's happened over the course of this last year, we've been operating in extremes, right? So on the one hand, there's the extremes of all the difficulties of, of, of church and stress and all that. On the other hand, some of them have been able to stay home with their families a little bit more and been able to, you know, uh, you know, finish up projects that maybe they haven't been able to do up until now. You know, as I've kind of taken that step back with most pastors, I've said, look, first of all, if you don't take care of yourself physically, it, you're going to be hard-pressed to be able to be good to anybody spiritually. And that's where a lot of our pastors are. They're just exhausted. I mean, physically not only emotionally and spiritually, but physically exhausted. Like they've they've hit a wall. You know, they've they've worked way more hours. Terry, think about this. Most pastors, there a certain amount of their job is going to be crisis management, right? And so, at any one given time, you're pastoring this church, and let's say two percent of your congregation is going through a difficulty. And it's your responsibility to care for those 2% of people. Find out what's going on in their life, respond to their crises, those kinds of things. 2020, pandemic hits, politic hits. It's not 2% of your people that are going through crisis. It's 100% of your people going through crisis. And you're going through the crisis at the same time as a pastor. That's right. Holy cow. 
Like, that's crazy to think of that kind of pressure put on one person. And so for many of them, they're just physically exhausted. So I've been telling pastors, look, take care of your body. Go for a walk. Man, when the weather's good, take your wife by the hand, grab your leash with your dog, go outside, take a walk, enjoy the sunshine, get out of your office, take a nap in in, in the middle of the afternoon. I know you don't feel like you've got time for that, but listen, you'll, you'll be amazed at what 20 minutes of a nap on the couch in your office or in your chair will do for you. Just 20 minutes if you can just rest for a little bit. And so I've really been encouraging them, take care of your body. And then secondly, and renew your mind. I mean, like, I just take all those thoughts captive. I, the enemy has been at work over the course of the last year and even on into 2021. Pastors really battling as a result of the physical fatigue, the mental fatigue of, I don't know if I can do this. This is so hard. This is so difficult. They start questioning themselves. And so I've, I've really been encouraging them, man, take every thought captive that exalts itself against the mind of Christ. I mean, like, you start believing that stuff that you know isn't true, like, go back to God's Word, go back to God's faithfulness in your life, renew your mind on what you know to be true. Not what you feel, but what you know to be true because it's said in God's Word. I can promise you God's Word is far more true than your feelings are. God's Word is far more dependable than your feelings are. So if you can go back and renew your mind, if they could just do those two things, take care of your body, renew your mind. If they just got good at those two things, it would help a ton for most pastors. You know, Hannah, we, you know, and I, I'm sure Dr. Cockrell will, will completely affirm me in this. We as pastors and ministers, a, as men, we many times, we way outkick our coverage with the women we marry. Amen. <laughs> no question. I mean, they're, they're way above us. They're way better looking than we are. And so many times as stubborn pastor men, which we are, we don't listen to anyone. We, we do what we think we should, and we just keep on playing Lord, basically. And, and my fear, Dr. Cockrell, is that we're going to have a bunch of pastors that are listening today, and they're going to hear this but we're going to be stubborn and nothing's going to change. And they're going to roll literally in from a crisis of a year to rolling into the fall where they're just going to restart some things and go right back into managing the church and never get that time off. So Hannah, I am, I am looking to you to give us some pleas here as a pastor's wife. Um, tell us, you know, how do you grab Sam's attention and, and how do you you say, hey, you need to, to stop this, uh, you need to redirect this? How do you grab his attention? And then for the pastor's wives that may be listening today, um, give us give us some some give them some guidance on on grabbing attention. Cause honestly, many times you're the only ones that will grab our attention as That's exactly wives. right. So so give us give us the wisdom there. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Um yeah, I think just something for for Sam and I, you know, um, there's a lot going on in his mind. And ultimately, I think the heart of most wives, I would say, is to be that support and that encouragement and to be that sounding board sometimes when, um, you know, they just need to talk through things. And so something that has been helpful for us, you know, as we do talk through different things in both of our work lives, you know, with each other is having those boundaries of, you know, I need to talk this through right now. Can you just listen, you know, or and I think being really clear about, you know, 
right now, I just need you to listen. Or right now, I just need us to sit in silence. Or right now, I need us to just go out for a meal. (laughs) I think that's been really good for us of knowing what each other needs and um, submitting to the other person's need. Like if right now, if he's like, man, I just got to get out of the house. And I'm like, man, I really just want to lay on the couch. Well, if he, you know, if he needs to get out of the house and just go for a walk or something, you know, I'm going to do that because that's going to be what's supportive and encouraging to him. Um, And as far as, you know, just kind of, grabbing his attention I think um, the best way I know how to do that is um, just by caring for him and praying for him and I think the Lord grabs his attention better than I do most of the time Um, and I think if I go into it thinking like man he's working so hard and I need to just grab his attention um, it's not going to come off the right way and I think first I you know going to the Lord in prayer and submitting that and surrendering that to him and knowing that God cares for him even more than I do and even if I think I know the right way the thing like if you would just do this you know you'd feel better you'd be able to process this better really the Lord knows that way better than I do and um and it always it always turns around too you know like God always gets a hold you know both surrendered to the Lord so you know, he gets a hold of him. <laughs> Amen. Well, and that guides us back to, you know, we don't ever minister in a vacuum. That's right. Um, our families get the the direct exposure of what we're dealing with. Um, no matter how much we try to protect them, um, they feel the stress. Our kids feel the stress. Our grandkids feel the stress. Uh, Dr. Cockle, how would you help pastors or ministers in this time? Um, has as they have the stress and they're feeling stressed, how would you guide them to interact with their families in this time? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, there's a word that I've I've just been hammering into most of the pastors that I work with, and it's intentionality. They just, you know, with all the pressure and all the stress, it's easy to put all the intention and all the attention in into their vocation and into their ministry. And it's important, don't get me wrong. Our God's given us a very unique calling as pastors and as ministers of the gospel, and I want to take that very seriously. I, I don't want to downplay that at all. But I, one of the things I realized early on in my ministry and had some good mentors in my life that really helped affirm this, and that is my first ministry is to my family. And if I kind of earn the right to be able to minister outside of my family by ministering to my family first, right? Like if I don't get that right, I really don't have a lot of credibility in in other areas. So I've just got to be really intentional about being able to see where those needs are in my kids, in my wife, and say, I'm... I'm going to take the time. Like I'm, I'm going to be very intentional to take the time that I need to be with them. Oftentimes, pastors begin to forget the sacredness of that relationship that they have with their wife, and 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 they begin to take it for granted. And you know, when you don't give intention and attention to your marriage, it's gonna it's gonna start going down. There's just you know, I tell people all the time, your marriage is either growing or dying. It never stays stagnant. It never stays on a plateau. It's either growing or dying. And so if you're not being intentional, it's it's going to go down. So when you recognize that your spouse, you know, needs a break, I was telling you guys before the thing started that I realized my wife needed that today. And so after the podcast, I booked a hotel room for her and said, you know, hey, go, go relax, go read a book, go get away. You know, things have been stressful the last few weeks and, you know, for us as a family. And you know, I just want you to go enjoy that time. I mean, that's, you got to be intentional about that stuff. That, those things won't tend themselves. And so if we remember the sacredness of that relationship and we prioritize that relationship and and then i think maybe lastly what i would say is that uh, a lot of pastors because they're so busy so much of the time they've lost a little bit of 
the friendship aspect of their marriage relationship, like because they haven't had time to be able to go for walks or go on a date or go to a dinner or something like that. You know, you you have to be able to spend time with the people that are important to you and to, to kind of cultivate um, you know, the the Bible, there's about 59, depending upon what version of the Bible you read, there's about 59 or so one another's in the Bible. And I know in my own life, I can do those so well in the lives of people in my church and people at the office and, you know, you really try hard in those areas. And then I get home and it's like, huh, you know, like I'm not on anymore. I can relax. Well, really, man, my relationship with my wife that ought to be the pinnacle of that, you know, the pinnacle of those one another's. Like I ought to be really cultivating that friendship with her where, you know, she's the first person that I turn to whenever there's a need. She's the first person that I turn to whenever there's a celebration. So I think those are just a few of the things that, that I would do. And I would say this too, Terry, just lastly, really quickly. Most pastors are in control of their own schedule and they schedule things that are important. And so, again, I'm with my pastors, I'm hammering them all the time. Dude, schedule time with your wife. Put it on the calendar. You know, the, I'll have a meeting with one of them, and I'll say, how'd you make this meeting? Well, I put it on my calendar. Okay, show me your calendar. Is there a date night with your spouse on there this week? No. Why not? <laughs> Why isn't there? Is that important? Yeah. Okay, well, if, it, if, my, if your meeting with me was important enough for you to schedule it, then your date night with your wife ought to be important enough. You ought to schedule it. Send her a calendar invite. How cool would that be for her to get the calendar invite that says, you know, uh, you know dinner at, at, at Ruth's Chris or something like that? You know, how, how cool would that be for her to get that invitation? So schedule it so that she knows that she's a priority to you. Amen. Well, we've talked about the pastor's personal walk. We've talked about uh, replenishing the family and their marriages in this time. And and I want to hit one more, which is pretty serious in this time. We know that um, from different conversations at state convention and, and just personal conversations, we have, you know, men that have done ministry for a very long time and have been successful at it. Uh, but in this past year, they've considered doing anything else, considered leaving the ministry, considering getting into something else. And, you know, I really believe we all that are called to ministry, we go into it really wanting to see lives change for Jesus Christ. We want to point to Jesus, and He has done miraculous things in our lives and our hearts, and we just want others to be, be able to experience that. And we, yeah. we really, in many ways, we go into ministry with rose-colored glasses. Our our personal, you know, transformation in the Lord, our regeneration, really just propels us into ministry. And then it's just tough. Yeah, it's just tough. It's a grind. It is a grind, and it is, uh, you know, there's a reason that Jesus constantly used farming analogies. <laughs> you know, it's a grind. It's 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 all those things. And uh, this last year has been um, just deeply, deeply penetrating. Um, and we have men that are, are really needing the replenishing of their calling. Yeah. And so ones that are listening right now and they're they're on that cusp or on that decision-making process, give specific words to them. Yeah, that's good. I think, number one, just know you're not alone. It, it's, it, it's happened to all of us at some point in ministry. Um, two years ago, no joke, two years ago, I was so run down, so tired, so just at the end of my rope. I found myself on YouTube at 2 o'clock in the morning watching three hours of videos on what does it take to be a commercial truck driver. So here I am. I've got a PhD, right? Uh, Thirty years of ministry experience, and you know, serving at you know seminary, and 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 loving my job, love my job. 
But man, I was just burned out. I mean, I was just working a lot, you know, and it was between the seminary and speaking and preaching and counseling. And it was just like, man, I just don't know that I can keep doing that. So literally find myself on YouTube watching YouTube videos, you know, how do you become a commercial truck driver? Like, what would it be like for nobody to need me? What would it be like to have to not deal with anybody else's problems, just the open road? So I would say first to, to pastors that are in that place, just know you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. All of us have probably hit that wall at some point in our ministry. But secondly, I would say, and, and for me, that night I was watching YouTube videos, the, what finally pulled me out of that was to remember my calling. Most of us that God called to ministry, we can remember the moment or the season that God used in our life to call us into ministry. And I do what I do because I can't do anything else, and not because I can't do anything else educationally, but because I can't do anything else because this is what God has called me to do. And guys forget that sometimes. They get their eyes on all the stress and all the problems, and they they don't see back to that time when God gave them a very specific call on their life. And so I tell guys, man, go back to that. Go back to that moment. I was at Ridgecrest, uh, you know, maybe six months ago and uh, went to the little stream. And I don't know if it was the same rock, but it was a rock that I, an area that I'm pretty sure was around the same area at, at this stream that I sat on over 30 years ago when God called me to ministry at a centrifuge camp at Ridgecrest whenever I was 17 years old. And just remembering that sweet week of fasting as a senior in high school and really praying about, you know, God, is this what you want me to do? And, you know, I've got a bright future in some other areas, but if this is what you want, you know, I mean, I'll give it all up if this is what you're calling me to do. And so when the chips are down now, I go back to that moment. I go back to Ridgecrest. I go back to that stream. I go back to that moment. I go back to that Sunday that I went down front and shook my pastor's hand and said, I think God's calling me to give my life to vocational ministry. And and, and it's during those moments that I'm reminded why I do what I do. And it's not for money or fame or popularity or vocation. It's because it's a call on my life. And so I think for most guys, if they can Go back and remember that. It'll it'll be really, really helpful. And I think also if they can get beyond just being able to see the circumstances and see the mission that God has, has given them, God's called every single one of us to do very unique things. And I'm grateful that God's called me to do what he's called me to do, but we all share in a common mission of taking the gospel to the nations and seeing lost people birthed into the kingdom And man, no matter how hard it gets, when I start thinking about somebody being birthed from death unto life, and I remember my life pre-Christ and after coming to faith in Christ, man, it's amazing how much energy I can get whenever I think about, man, somebody goes from death unto life, like how cool is that? And I get to join God in that, like I get to join God in His work in the world. Suddenly all those problems seem to kind of fade into the background. And so I think those are just some of the things we can look at. Amen. I've really just dwelled on lately. I I believe that presence gives passion and passion gives courage. Yeah. You know, presence gives passion and passion gives courage. When you're dwelling in the presence of the Lord and just who he is, it gives you a passion for him. And it can really drive you through walls courage-wise, can it? Yeah, it can. That's that's a great word. Yeah, it can. Well, give us some final thoughts. Uh, Just you guys have you you know Hannah you've you've been around several people at your church and you've been around your your husband as a minister um, you interact with several ministers 
Give us some final thoughts in this area of pastoral renewal, some some encouragement or some insight that you have. Yeah. So recently, um, I've been listening to the book of Philippians in the car um, over and over again. And every time I get to Philippians 3, it sticks out to me. And um, Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Um, And I think that is, I have to remind myself of that every day. Um, It doesn't say that we count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of uh, the things that we do, Mm. but it's of knowing God. Mm -hmm. Like that is the point. And I think we get lost in, we're like, you know, I'm, I'm counting everything as loss for the sake of ministering to this church. Or I'm t- counting everything as a loss to the minister to do this and to do that. But we count everything as loss to know Christ. Mm. And so I think that's where I get tripped up is like, well, I'm just going to keep pushing through. I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone and just keep going because I'm doing this for the Lord. But he really wants us to count everything as loss to know him and to find rest in him. And so that's kind of just my final thoughts of um you know, man, get back to the things and of knowing God, and uh, and then those, like you said, the ministry things will flow out of that of, of knowing God. Amen. Well, Doctor Cockle, you know, we've hit several things today, but um, just just knowing our audience and, and thinking about their their hearts, their needs. What's one thing that you feel led that uh, you need to close with that you need they, that they need to know? So here's Isaiah 49, was reading this passage earlier today in in preparation for our time together. Isaiah 49, the first four verses, here's what God's Word says. Coasts and islands listen to me, distant peoples pay attention. The Lord called me before I was born. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. He made my words like a sharp sword. He hid me in the shadow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I'll be glorified. Here's the kicker. But I said to myself, I've labored in vain. I've sent, I spent my strength for nothing in futility, yet my vindication is with the Lord and my reward is with my God. Man, that, that sounds like so many pastors today. They know they experience this call. God's given them a voice. He's given them a ministry. He's given them a mission. And they feel like they're laboring in vain. And I love Isaiah says here about the servant. He says, ultimately, my vindication is with my Lord, and the reward ultimately is with my God. That, man, there's no earthly prize that can compare to the work that we do on this earth that has eternal value that will last forever and ever and ever and ever. And so if, you know, if there's a pastor out there that's, you know, listening to this podcast, watching this podcast and and thinking, man, I just can't, I can't take another step. Heed the words of the servant. He, God called you. He, he's given you a voice. He's given you a message. He's given you a mission. Do it. And in doing it, your reward will be with him. And it'll be an eternal reward, something that you can never possibly fathom. Amen. Well, it's been such a good time with you guys today, and I want to thank our audience, and we just want to thank you for being here today. Uh, you've been a great guest. Um, I've really enjoyed our time. Hannah, thank you so much for providing all the insight. Um, tell us anything that Southeastern is doing right now for pastoral renewal that our audience needs to hear about. That's great, Terry. Let me Before I do that, let me just say this. I so appreciate the work that 
the Baptist Convention of North Carolina is doing for pastors. I mean, you guys have really put your money where your mouth is, and that's huge. And pastors need to know that. I mean, and I, I, I do a lot of this kind of stuff, and it's really cool to see the resources that the convention is making available to pastors because we can tell guys all day long, you need to do, you need to do, you need to do, and it, all it does is heap guilt on them if you don't give them a way to be able to do it. And what you guys are doing is you're giving them not only the encouragement to do it, but you're giving them the means to be able to do it, and that's a big deal. Uh, Southeastern, you know, one of the things I'm finding is that um, pastors, if we can just resource them better, um, it's just really helpful for them. So free resources that Southeastern offers on our website through uh, certificate classes, uh, through uh, chapel messages, through, um, you know, help through our denominational relations office and helping to provide things like pulpit supply and those kinds of things. All those would be great resources for pastors to take advantage of. Uh, we also have multiple opportunities for uh, folks to get counseling through the seminary, through students that we have that are working on their master's degree and doctorates in counseling who need the hours to be able to, you know, get their licenses and those kinds of things. But they're wonderful. They do a wonderful job at counseling. We've got professors who do that uh, as well. And so we want to be a resource where, you know, where we possibly can. Amen. We uh, feel the same way at the state convention. It's great to partner together in those ways and really provide uh, pastors and ministers and their needs. And just if you're listening today, we want you to know about a few of the things out there. We have replenished retreats that are going on right now this year. Our next one is September 6th through 8th at Fort Caswell. It's just a great opportunity for you to put in place and hear a little bit more and actually replenish and do some of the things that we talked about with just yourself or with your wife uh, here in September at Fort Caswell. So we'd love for you to take and participate in that. Additionally, you can check out some of the great resources available to you, such as pulpit supply, sabbatical assistance, and even free stays at some of our North Carolina retreat centers. Um, and you can check that out on the, our webpage at ncbaptist.org backslash pastoral renewal. We also want to make you aware again of the Reimagine NC website. It's full of tools and tips and resources for you and your church to navigate these difficult times. So check that out for some great content. But overall today, we just want you to know that we're praying for you, that we care about you, and we hope that we can provide some, just some comfort and encouragement to you during this Revitalize NC podcast. We'll see you back here next time. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your partnership in the gospel through your generous support of the cooperative program. For more resources and information, visit our website at revitalizenc.org.